Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 315. Today's big Bible questions are, what do angels do now, and how important are angels? Well, happy Friday to you, friends. Today, I'm walking a tightrope of sorts. I truly believe that our current culture has, for the last few decades, inside of the church and honestly outside of the church too, we overfocus quite a bit on angels compared to their relative importance. Now, don't get me wrong, angels are important, appearing or being mentioned uh, not quite 300 times in the Bible, but a lot. But the writer of Hebrews today is going to demonstrate for us the relative importance of angels, and we do well to remember that. In addition to reading Hebrews 1 as our focus passage, we're also going to be reading 2 Kings 19, Psalms 135 and 136, and Hosea chapter 12. Warning, I am about to mention politics without being political in the least. Please stand by. Today, one of President Trump's spiritual advisors made the comment during a prayer that angels from Africa and South America had been dispatched to America to help with the election. A friend in one of the pastor Facebook groups that I'm a part of created a poll and asked the question in a very tongue-in-cheek sort of way, what sorts of serious situations might warrant the calling in of African angels? It was a witty post, and I don't think he was making a political statement either, but it does raise a very interesting question. What do angels do in modern times? Are they still active? Do they help out with elections and things like that? Now, that's not the primary focus of Hebrews chapter 1, so it's not going to be our primary focus either, but the writer of Hebrews does give us an answer to that question, so let's go read our focus passage and let's see What business angels are up to in this day and age? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, so he became superior to the angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father? Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. Again, when he brings his firstborn into the world, he says, And let all God's angels worship him. And about the angels, he says, He makes his angels winds and his servants a fiery flame. But to the sun, your throne, God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. This is why God, your God, has anointed you with oil of joy beyond your companions. And in the beginning, Lord, you established the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like clothing, You will roll them up like a cloak, and they will be changed like clothing. But you are the same, and your years will never end. Now, to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? So, I'll grant you, Hebrews 1, not the easiest chapter in the Bible to understand. But 
we do see two things very clearly there. Number one, the sun is superior to the angels. Number two, we sort of get an indication of what kind of role these angels have, and that is they are sent out by God to serve those who will be saved by him. That's a very interesting description of their role. For one, it seems to indicate that the angels will be serving some people before they're saved by Jesus. So what does that look like in a practical sense? I, the whole thing. What does it look like that angels are ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Well, here are three pictures of angels ministering or serving. In this case, all three of them are for, one is for Jesus, two are for people who are, or three are for people who are already followers of God. But we look and see in Acts 27, 23 through 24, that an angel appears to Paul to strengthen and encourage him in a very difficult and life-threatening situation. The passage reads, Paul is recounting this incident to sailors on a ship, and he says, Last night an angel of the God I belong to and serve stood by me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. Well, that's a picture of these angels serving the people of God. We'll see it in twice in the life of Jesus. An angel appears to him to encourage and strengthen him once after he goes through the desert wilds being tempted by Satan, and once in the Garden of Gethsemane right before the crucifixion. We will see in Acts chapter 12 that an angel is the agent that released Peter from prison and from chains miraculously. And in a story we just read a few days ago, Daniel was rescued by angels from the lions in the lion's den in Daniel chapter 6. So we can see from this that angels can protect, encourage, strengthen, and perform miracles on God's behalf. Can they help out with elections and politics? Can they do sorts of things like that? Well, I'll just have to say that an answer to that question is well above my pay grade. So how important are angels? Well, in Hebrews 1 and in multiple places in the Bible, followers of God are taught that angels are lower than God and Jesus, and they are not to be worshipped under any circumstances. I do think in our current culture there is a dangerous fixation on angels. As we mentioned before, something Professor George Guthrie makes very clear in his commentary on Hebrews. And Dr. Guthrie writes, a parallel between Hebrews' audience and many modern people is a fascination with and high respect for angels. My wife and I frequent a local bookstore and cafe where without kids, sometimes we can browse the books after enjoying a fine meal, tea, and pastries. On a recent visit, knowing I would soon be writing on this section of Hebrews, I decided to count the works in their religions section addressing the topic of angels. In this secular store, making no claim to specialize in religious books, there were 85 different works focused on angels, and they had intriguing titles such as Angels A to Z, Know Your Angels, Ask Your Angels, Angelic Healing, Angelic Voices, Angelic Angel Magi, Angels and Endangered Species, which is hilarious, Meditating with the Angels, and my personal favorite, Big George, the, the autobiography of an angel. Well, how about that? They ranged from those attempting to present a biblical explanation, like Billy Graham's book on angels, to angels and aliens, clearly of a different stripe. 
The fascination with angels is also evident from the popularity of the television drama from back in the day, Touched by an Angel, a show about heavenly beings who help people in a variety of difficult circumstances. There are magazines such as Angel Times dedicated to recounting the context numerous modern people have had with angelic beings. My wife recently talked to a lady who, since a professed encounter with an angel during a near-death experience, has been collecting angel figurines. Angels are clearly both popular and big business in Western society. The question is, how should the Church of Jesus, the Bible-believing church, respond to this cultural trend? Keeping in mind that the author of Hebrews uses his first audience's respect for angels to speak to their need for a higher opinion of the Son, Jesus, I believe there are at least two applications we can draw from his contrast of Christ and the angels. First, we must build on a biblical understanding of angels. Christians need to know what the scriptures reveal about angels. Thus, the topic should be addressed from pulpit to classroom podium. Much contemporary angelology has strong New Age overtones. Based on dubious metaphysical and psychological, psychological experiences, it is often divorced from biblical revelation. Many see any spiritual encounter, regardless of its nature or message, as communicating truth, and even some professing to be followers of Christ are are buying into the broader culture's infatuation with angels. Yet, as 1 John 4, 1 warns, we are not to believe every spirit, but should test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Paul reminds us also that even Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light in 2 Corinthians 11, 14. So, my friends, angels are important. They have important roles in the heavens on earth and in the lives of believers. They're powerful. They're remarkable. They're necessary. But, as the writer of Hebrews repeatedly makes clear, the angels are lower than Jesus. Lower in power, in importance, and should be lower in our attention levels and focus. It's okay to be interested in angels. Hopefully okay to do a podcast episode about them. But, Let's let our ultimate focus be on Jesus and him crucified and risen from the dead and coming again. Remembering Hebrews 1.4, Jesus became superior to the angels just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. All right, well, let's continue. 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. When King Hezekiah heard their report, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the Lord's temple. He sent Eliakim, who was in charge of the palace, Shebna, the court secretary, and the leading priests who were covered with sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz. They said to him, This is what Hezekiah says. Today is a day of distress, rebuke, and disgrace, for children have come to the point of birth, but there is no strength to deliver them. Perhaps the Lord your God will hear all the words of the royal spokesman, whom his master, the king of Assyria, sent to mock the living God, and will rebuke him for the words that the Lord your, God, Lord your God has heard. Therefore, offer a prayer for the surviving remnant. So the servants of King Hezekiah went to Isaiah, who said to them, Tell your master, the Lord says this, Don't be afraid because of the words you have heard, with which the king of Assyria's attendants have blasphemed me. I am about to put a spirit in him, and he will hear a rumor and return to his own land, where I will cause him to fall by the sword. When the royal spokesman heard that the king of Assyria had pulled out of Lachish, he left and found him fighting against Libna. The king had heard concerning King Terhaka of Cush, Look, 
he has set out to fight against you. So he again sent messengers to Hezekiah saying, Say this to the king of Judah, don't let your God on whom you rely deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be handed over to the king of Assyria. Look, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the other countries. They completely destroyed them. Will you be rescued? Did the gods of the nations that my predecessors destroyed rescue them? Nations such as Gozan, Haran, Rezef, and the Edenites in Telassar. Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Sepharvaim, Hena, or Eva? Hezekiah took the letter from the messenger's hands, read it, then went up to the Lord's temple and spread it out before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord, Lord God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you are God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You made the heavens and the earth. Listen closely, Lord. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Hear the words that Sennacherib has sent to mock the living God. Lord, it is true that the kings of Assyria have devastated the nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but made by human hands, wood and stone. So they have destroyed them. Now, Lord, our God, please save us from his power, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are God. You alone. Then Isaiah, son of Amaz, sent a message to Hezekiah. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, I have heard your prayer to me about King Sennacherib of Assyria. This is the word the Lord has spoken against him. Virgin daughter of Zion despises you and scorns you. Daughter Jerusalem shakes her head behind your back. Who is it you mocked and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes in pride? against the Holy One of Israel. You have mocked the Lord through your messengers. You have said, with many chariots, I have gone up to the heights of the mountains, to the far recesses of Lebanon. I cut down its tallest cedars, its choice cypress trees. I came to its farthest outpost in its densest forest. I dug wells and drank water in foreign lands. I dried up all the streams of Egypt with the soles of my feet. Have you not heard? I designed it long ago. I planned it in days gone by. I have now brought it to pass, and you have crushed fortified cities into piles of rubble. Their inhabitants have become powerless, dismayed and ashamed. They are plants of the field, tender grass, grass on the rooftops, blasted by the east wind. But I know you're sitting down, you're going out and you're coming in, and you're raging against me because your raging against me and your arrogance have reached my ears. I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth. I will make you go back the way you came. This will be the sign for you. This year you will eat what grows on its own, and in the second year what grows from that. But in the third year, sow and reap, plant vineyards, and eat their fruit. The surviving remnant of the house of Judah will again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For a remnant will go out from Jerusalem, and survivors from Mount Zion. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Therefore, this is what the Lord says about the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city, shoot an arrow here, come before it with a shield, or build up a siege ramp against it. He will go back the way he came, and he will not enter this city. This is the Lord's declaration. I will defend this city and rescue it for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. That night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies." So King Sennacherib of Assyria broke camp and left. He returned home and lived in Nineveh. One day, while he was worshiping in the temple of his god Nisroch, his sons Adramelech and Sherezer struck him down with a sword 
and escaped to the land of Ararat. Then his son Esher Hadan became king in his place. Psalm 135, verse 1. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, you servants of the Lord, who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name, for it is delightful. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel, as his treasured possession. For I know that the Lord is great. Our Lord is greater than all gods. The Lord does whatever he pleases in heaven and on earth and the seas and all the depths. He causes the clouds to rise from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and brings the wind from his storehouses. He struck down the firstborn of Egypt, both people and animals. He sent signs and wonders against you, Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his officials. He struck down many nations and slaughtered mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kings of Canaan. He gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his people Israel. Lord, your name endures forever, your reputation, Lord, through all generations. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nations are of silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear. Indeed, there is no breath in their mouths. Those who make them are just like them, as are all who trust in them. House of Israel, bless the Lord. House of Aaron, bless the Lord. House of Levi, bless the Lord. You who revere the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord from Zion. He dwells in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. He alone does great wonders. His faithful love endures forever. He made the heavens skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. He spread the land on the waters. His faithful love endures forever. He made the great lights. His faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule by day. His faithful love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule by night. His faithful love endures forever. He struck the firstborn of the Egyptians, his faithful love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, his faithful love endures forever. With a strong hand and outstretched arm, his faithful love endures forever. He divided the Red Sea, his faithful love endures forever, and led Israel through, his faithful love endures forever, but hurled Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea, his faithful love endures forever. He led his people in the wilderness. His faithful love endures forever. He struck down great kings. His faithful love endures forever. And slaughtered famous kings. His faithful love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites. His faithful love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan. His faithful love endures forever. And gave their land as an inheritance. His faithful love endures forever. An inheritance to Israel, his servant, his faithful love endures forever. He remembered us in our humiliation, his faithful love endures forever. He gives food to every creature, his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, his faithful love endures forever. And dear friends, when a chapter of the Bible repeats a phrase 26 times, we know it's important, really, really important. Praise God for his faithful love enduring forever. We continue with Hosea chapter 12. Ephraim chases the wind and pursues the east wind. He continually multiplies lies and violence. He makes a covenant with Assyria and olive oil is carried to Egypt. 
The Lord also has a dispute with Judah. He is about to punish Jacob according to his conduct. He will repay him based on his actions. In the womb, he grasped his brother's heel, and as an adult, he wrestled with God. Jacob struggled with an angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He found him at Bethel, and there he spoke with him. The Lord is the God of armies. The Lord is his name. But you must return to your God. Maintain love and justice and always put your hope in God. A merchant loves to extort with dishonest scales in his hand, but Ephraim thinks, how rich I have become. I made it all myself and all my earnings. No one can find any iniquity in me that I can be punished for. I have been the Lord your God ever since the land of Egypt. I will make you live in tents again as in the festival days. I will speak through the prophets and grant many visions. I will give parables through the prophets. Since Gilead is full of evil, they will certainly come to nothing. They sacrifice bulls in Gilgal. Even their altars will be like piles of rocks on the furrows of a field. Jacob fled to the territory of Aram. Israel worked to earn a wife. He tended flocks for a wife. The Lord brought Israel from Egypt by a prophet, and Israel was tended by a prophet. Ephraim has provoked bitter anger, so his Lord will leave his blood guilt on him and repay him for his contempt. Lord, have mercy on us. Well, dear friends, may the Lord have mercy on you today. May he bless you and encourage you. May you know him as the lifter of your head. Good day to you and Godspeed.